All right. Okay. All right, so thanks everyone for coming in the, uh, braving the weather uh, in the topic, I guess. We'll get to there in a second. Uh, just briefly into the plan, um, I think we're going to, uh, I know this was supposed to be a weekly shear on each Shoresh, and it's been seven Shearim, we're, we're two Shoreshim in. But uh, as much as there is more to say on the first two Shoreshim, and we could spend many more weeks on them, I think we're gonna, this is going to be our last year on the second Shoresh. Uh, I think next week's, because Yeshiva week, we're going to take the week off. Uh, and it's presuming that everyone will be back the following week, like the last day of Yeshiva week, then we'll have a shear that night. Otherwise, we'll win another week, uh, mm-hmm. and then we'll, we'll, be, we'll get the ball rolling. Uh, the shearim from three to eight will sort of be one per week, and then we'll go back, and when we get to the ninth Shoresh, it'll be slower again. Um, that's the plan. Okay. So there's a lot to talk about tonight, uh, and there's a lot of different ways to frame it. Uh, and I was sort of struggling with how to think about the issues that are related to this, um, because they really are complicated and hotly debated. Uh, and with all due respect, I think that m- the position that I'm going to sort of put forward tonight, or the one that I'm going to advocate a little bit harder for than some of the others, um, is certainly not the dominant position in the way the Rambam has generally been read, um, certainly by the commentaries on the page, um, and certainly in the tradition, as we saw from the Rush Bats, and how he sort of lays out Divrei Sofrim in the Rambam. Um, that being said, I, I, I told Rabbi Marcus earlier, I'm far from settled uh, on how to read these problems. Uh, some of the things I think are more common than others, but the big general issues as to like what Divrei Sofrim means, I think we're going to sort of leave somewhat ambiguous, um, and I'll show you why I think the problems can be solved in a lot of different ways, uh, and I'm not really comfortable coming down one way or the other, um, because I think there's really so, there's, there's too many ambiguities and a, lot of, and a few other problems that are really hard to solve, but um, we'll see, and if anyone wants to take a hardline position, um, they can feel free to do so as well. Uh, so at the end of last year, actually, Rabbi Gerson asked me sort of like why the Rambam cares so much um, about root, about Midos and Mikra, uh, and what, what, I, what I suggested to him then, I think is really um, something we've been talking about for many weeks now already, is that the Rambam really sees Mikra as one sort of standalone important source that is separate and in, that's independent from all the other sources. And anything that's rooted in Mikra sort of stands differently from everything else. And in general, when we think about Halakha, right, we are trained to think in sort of two big categories, right? Those are the rice and the right? So on the face of it, it would seem that for the Rambam, at least, everything that's associated, perhaps, everything associated with Mikra would be following the, what we call Doraisa, and everything that doesn't perhaps could fall in the Durabanan world. But that's not quite, we've already seen that there's many problems with that, that position. Um, and in fact, it seems like the Rambam presents a much more variegated uh, worldview vis-a-vis the unwritten halachos, right? An un- uh, unwritten law within Judaism for the Rambam is much, much more complex than any simple division between Dorais and Durabanan. Right? That should be, should be obvious. If you've gotten anything of this year, that's what you should get. You should get this. The first place we saw that, at least most evident, was when the Ramam outlines sort of five categorizations of halacha, right, in the parish of Mishnah. He said there were four, outside of Mikra, there were five different things. One was, this is the first source, like Perushim Mukabalim from Moshe, right? This Moshe got a sort of explanation of the Mikra when he uh, got the Torah. Second would be halacha and Moshe Messinai. The third is laws from the Midos. The fourth are um, Xeros, and the fifth are seem to be Tekanos. Okay, 
So we already see from there the Rambam has a sort of more a bigger, more nuanced picture than any sort of simple distinction between mikra and non-mikra might might have might have us believe. And furthermore, within if if we're going to start thinking about those kind of things, if we wanted to sort of think like Doraisa is one category, Durban is the second category, it's really not clear where you would put, let's say. Four and five, zeros and tacanos, that's clearly Durabanan. But the problems are going to come up when we start talking about categories one, two, and three, right? A perish mekubah for Moshe about a pasuk. Is that Doraisa? Is that Durabanan? I'm not sure. We, it's something to think about. Certainly, Allah Moshe Messinai sounds Doraisa, like it's Sinai, it's the, there's God's you know, authority behind it, much, just as much as they're in category one. And even in category three, the Midos, so yeah, it's not quite, it, it's certainly man made. It, it, those Midos-based laws are man-made according to the Rambam, but they're still based on Midos. Maybe you could push them back, and some people want to do, push them into sort of like a Doraisa world. And so it's really not clear what we would do. And so what, would the, what are the major nafkaminas between Doraisa and Darabana? Suffolk. Suffolk's the first one, right? So we, we generally hold Sveika Darabana the Kula, which the Rambam famously says is a, Dura, is a Din Darabana in itself. Um, and, and punishments, right? So those are the two two nafkaminas that we're gonna that we would have to think about. And in fact, whenever one, whenever these issues come up in the Rambam, people are struggle, people struggle with them, right? There is a range of positions for each of these within each of the first couple categories. Like halachah Sinai, what does the Rambam say about suffix there? What does he say about suffix um, about perish mukubal? Like we're not, it's not really clear what to do. And then onesh, also the punishment is the other one that we've I've sort of been driving home also. As a real clear nafkamina between Doraisa, it seemingly, and Dorabanan. And within that, we're not really sure what to do when it comes to the Rambam, right? And it's going to be difficult to, one second, it's going to be difficult to find some, some cases, some te- we're going to have to find some test cases if we want to negotiate that. Yeah, you had a question? So, Asidoch, how so? Right, so you would think that Asidoch Alosa should only, right, there's another nafkamina, right? If you actually look, I think it's maybe the Lay um, he has like a whole long list. Of like 19 different nafkaminas between Dora, something like that. Dora's and Dorabanans. Yeah, he has a whole list, slew of like, that's probably on the list somewhere. Um, yeah, there's a whole slew of different ways of, think, of questions one could analyze in this, in this problem. Um, yeah, and they need to be, each one would need to be analyzed on its own and within this broader system. So within the Mishator itself, if, one's, if one wants to sort of um, approach the major problem, which sort of everyone, that we've been trying to avoid discussing so far with this meaning of the freeze divrei sofrim, you in fact need to understand it within a larger lexicon that the Rambam produces, right? This, these, these, this terminology that he um, rides very hard, let's say, or it's very invested in, is not his own, but he certainly is going to invest it in his own, not every one of them, the term that he made up, but it's going to be something that he invests his own meaning into, and hopefully, we would like at least, there to be some consistency for how he understands them. And so I want to talk about three major um, terms in descending order that will try and help, help understand each one um, as we go through. The first is mipiashimua, which means from tradition that we've heard, let's say, which seemingly sounds like Sinai. The second would be divrei kabbalah or mipiah kabbalah, some sort of received tradition, not that's perhaps maybe different, perhaps the same. And the third is divrei sofrim, which literally means sort of the words of the scribes. Um, and would seemingly be the biggest candidate for Darabanan, but that in and of itself is going to be complicated. So let's like, before we even delve into that, I just want to show you some, what seemingly should be the basic distinction between the two, between Mipiyah Shmua and Divrei Sofrim. So if you look in, in, let's just focus on some sources in the introduction to the Mishnah Torah. 
And there's a source of two, two through five, right? So what, what does me piyashimua mean? So if you look actually in the uh, minion of mitzvot, when the Ramam lists the mitzvot of um, the Torah in, in the, the target mitzvot in the Mishnah Torah, again, he says, so what is the prohibition of adding to the Torah, right? Source number two. Don't add to the mitzvot. Whether it's the written Torah, or the explanation that we received, which sounds like me, that it's me that is perish mukubal, source number the category number one in source number one. And then when you get to his description of this myth, same very same mitzvah, in his description of Hilchot Mamrim, where it comes up, he says, what does it mean? Don't add to the Torah. Neither in the written one or the explanation. Right? The, the, the perush that was received, we've received traditions. It, it sounds like pretty clearly that would be those received traditions. Okay? That's going to have to be our working assumption. On the other hand, the working assumption about Jivir Soprim is the opposite. So if you look at this very same description of the halachos, so Hilchos Erevin, he says in source number four. So mitzvahs ase achat. There's one positive mitzvah. You notice here that Ram keeps talking about mitzvot. It's, it's, it's interesting that he gets the, the mitzvah, adding to the words of the mitzvot. There's a mitzvah in Erevin. We'll see. In a second, there's something to be said about that, not for tonight. But, anyways, the, the, the mitzvah of Erevin is he me divrei sofrim minyan. But that's divrei sofrim, which sounds like it should be Durabanan. And it's not in the in the count. Similarly, Hilchot Miguel of Hanukkah, Yesh Bechalon Shtei Mitzvot Asei Midivrei Sofrim. There's two mitzvot Midivrei Sofrim, Vein Amin Aminyan, and those two are not in the count. Meaning, Megillah and Hanukkah are not in the six thirteen, and either therefore or also they are Midivrei Sofrim, and they're not counted. Okay, so it sounds pretty clearly that those would be post Sinai and rabbinic commandments. Right? In fact, when we see this, we see this pretty clearly, the, this sort of distinction between Mipiyashmu and Yivri Sofrim in a mitzvah that we should all be familiar with, which is the prohibition of a co- an uncircumcised Kohen eating truma. Right? So when he sums up this mitzvah in the mission Torah, he says, Shaloyachal ar, source number five, Shaloyachal ar al truma, uncircumcised can't eat truma, limdu hakatub mina pesach zera shava, right? This is zera shava, we've talked about this a lot. The ainu beferish mina Torah, it's not explicitly in the Torah. Nevertheless, me piyashmua lamdu she iser arel bekachi me gufe Torah. Right, the it's one of the gufe Torah. It's me piyashmua from tradition. Ve'eno me divrei sofrim, and it's not divrei sofrim, which sounds like me piyashmua Sinai katov on one hand. Divrei sofrim seemingly means derabanan, and, and then at the end of the list of six thirteen, he goes on. He says, "Okay, we've got the all six thirteen. Elohim sheish meo esrei mitzvah shdemer lo lamoshim b'sinai." Oh, there's 613. There's some that are post-Sinai, that were invented after Sinai. Everyone accepted them. What are they? Mikra Megillah, Ner Hanukkah, Tani Tishabaab, Yadaim, Nitila Sidaim, Erevin, all these things. We have to listen to them. Why? Shinemar Lotasur, which is the Rambam source for Durabanans. Listen to Durabanans, Lotasur. It applies to all these other. Things, Megillah, Hanukkah, etc. What, what, continuing, right? There was a mitzvah from the Nevi'im to meaning not meaning not Moshe, not Sinai, 
to read the Megillah. The al derech zeh, al derech zo, he kol mitzvah u mitzvah shehi midivrei sofrim. Again, it sounds very, very clearly that all the mitzvahs that are after Sinai are considered divrei sofrim, and that would seemingly be derabanan. So that's going to be a working assumption, but it's going to get complicated. So let's just clarify these categories a little bit more before we delve into divrei sofrim in much greater detail. Okay, so what is Mipiyashmua doing? So this, again, we're going to turn at least to one uh, source that's familiar, another one that we should all know, any, we should all be familiar with um, as well. So the, in these terms come up, Mipiyashmua maybe like 200 times in the Mishnah Torah, right? You could, you, you could come up with many, many examples. But they all sort of operate like this, which is, in Hilchot Shvitat Asur, right, as, as, um, resting on Yom Kippur, on the 10th day, so he says, Other than the Isra Malacha, there's a separate mitzvah on Yom Kippur. What is that? That's a mitzvah to rest from eating and drinking. That shvita is very important for the Rambam. Um, that it, you're resting from eating and drinking. That's for, that's for a different Yom Kippur topic. Shnemar, how do we know this? Right? Afflict your souls. Now, the, the phrase afflict your souls is a little bit ambiguous. Right? That can mean all sorts of things. The, the Gemara has all sorts of hava means what that might mean. So the Ramam tells us, You have to afflict your soul that's into your soul, meaning what's fasting. Right? So here we have clarifying what the Pasuk means, which is exactly a parish mukubal, how a parish mukubal would work. Furthermore, another idea, Right, all the other Inuim that are on Yom Kippur are not the Rabbanon for the Rambam. They're all Mipiyashmua, which we should now understand means from Sinai, a tradition. Fine. Now, let's take a set. Another very similar, but also a very, very striking example. When the Rambam talks about Ayin Tachat Ayin, right, this, this uh, seeming requirement to look eye for an eye. So what is Judaism obviously doesn't mean believe in eye, an eye for an eye. Right? That's very clear. But how do we know that? So the Ramam in Hilos Chovel Mazik, in a very, very fascinating passage, discusses this and he says, so what do you do about repaying someone who's damaged somebody else? Nezek Ketzad, right? If, I, um, if somebody like, uh, cuts off somebody else's hand, what do you do? Seim Yad Chavero, O Raglo, Roi Notoki Ilu Evan Nimkar Bashuk, Umishalim, right? You look how much the value of this person might be to figure out the, this lost um, limb. And you pay. Shenemar, ein tachat ein. Eye for an eye. What do you talk? Eye for an eye? Eye for an eye. It sounds literally eye for an eye. How do you know that it doesn't mean literally? Mi lamdu, from tradition, tachat mamonu. This tachat means monetary repay- repayment. And then the Raman goes on in the very next halacha. The whole sort of fancy exegesis. He like wants to tell you what, how do we know that tachat means repayment? And he comes up with a drasha to explain this. And then in the, in the next halach, in the bottom paragraph, so he says, Even though from Torah Shebechtav, I could have figured this out, that tachat means money. This is all explicit, explicated by Moshe. This is how we live Jewish life when we judge cases. We, meaning we don't impose corporal punishments like this, only monetary repayments. This is what they did in Yeshua's based in. 
Right? He's telling you that it's a continuous lived tradition that we understand the word takat, therefore ayin takat, ayin not as a physical punishment, which we all know, but as a, but as a monetary repayment. This is very typical, although it's much more, uh, it's put in a, a, a lot more uh, beautiful terms, but it's very typical of how the Raman treats mi laws. Okay? So the mi clearly is this sort of first category related to psukim and received traditions from Sinai. Okay, that's should be pretty that's pretty much un, undisputed. Similarly, the Ramam uses the phrase Divrei Kabbalah in very similar ways. Right? He tells us in Hilchas Mamrim, source number eight, that there's never been any debate about Divrei Kabbalah received traditions, right? Um, everything in is a Divrei is Divrei Kabbalah from Moshe in source number nine. And then when he goes on, in source number 10, this is a little bit complicated, um, just the, the details, and if you don't, if we don't need to understand them in great detail, but the Ramam here is discussing in Hilchus Kalim, what happens if you, how do we um, treat the impurity of a wooden vessel, right? And so in, in Halacha, when you treat wooden vessels, it has to do with their size. So if they're, if they're basically, if they're able to be carried, they can become, they can be, they, they're, they can, uh, be susceptible to, to Toma, they're even Kabbaltoma, and if they're too big, they can't. Okay, that's the, the basic point, but that's, we don't need to understand the details so much, but I want to show you just how the Raman uses the terms. Source number 10 says, Kol Kli Eitz, any uh, wooden vessel that needs to stay still, basically, it's too big, ain't a Doesn't it's not susceptible to Tuma, Lomi na Torah, Velomi Divrei Sofrim. So here we have a contrast between Torah and Sofrim, which sounds like what we'd want to mean, Doraiso Dorabanon. The coal cleates Hasuilitaltel, Mali Varekan, anything you can move, whether it's empty or full. Hold the Inuasuilanachat, Harizimakabaltuma Din Torah. But if it can be lifted, right, whether it's if it's even if it's full, then it, it can be kept Tuma Din Torah, right? The Khain call eights shahu satum, right? Anything that's closed. Ainu makabaltuma klal. Lomina Torah, Lomi Divrei Sofrim, etc., etc. Right, so here we have a clear use of the phrase Divrei Torah and Divrei Sofrim, which really you would think mean Daraisa and Darabanan. Right? That sounds pretty clear. The problem because becomes, I turn the page, and this is, we sort of rush to the first side of the Makoros because the second side is much more complicated, as you can see with the chart at the bottom of the page. Uh, the problem is that Divrei Sofrim, we would really want it, it sounds from all these sources, and the way the Rambam sets it out at the beginning of the Mishnah Torah, it clearly means there are buttons. Right? So what the, what, what's the problem? Why would anyone um, be upset about this? Why would anyone uh, think otherwise? So I think the main reason, you know, there are, there's really one, but there are three main motivating problems within the Mishnah Torah that cause the Rambam's readers to rethink this category of Divrei Sofrim. There's a couple others that sort of motivated how people think that um, have to do with uh, Nivelas of Tower that are a little more complicated than I wanted to get into tonight. But there are three basic ones that come up over and over for sort of, that forced the Ramam's interpreters to rethink Divrei Sofrim and really give us pause if we're going to say really it's clearly Darabana. Although we'll see the Ramam himself, I will ar- I'll argue, is, prob- is struggling with the this, this same problem as well. But let's, before we get to those three cases, let's, before we get to that, let's get to the, at least two of the, th- two of the three cases. And that source is number 11 and 12. Okay. 
The first one has to do with a coin becoming impure. So when's a coin allowed to become impure, to bury a family member? Which kind of family member? Which ones? The Shiva Krobin, the, the, the seven relatives. How do we know the seven relatives? It's in the Torah, right? It's very clear. What, are they all in the Torah? Are they? No. The wife is from Adrasha, right? The Torah lists six, right? Father, mother, sister, brother, right, etc. Um, and right, and and we have this word shearo, which probably means something like family member, which Chazal understand to mean a the wife, right? So that a kohen could, you know, um, after meb esrim goes to bury his wife, right? But when he comes tummy. So it sounds like the so certainly the prohibition against a kohen becoming tame is doraisa. Right? And Chazal seemingly couldn't make that, uproot that just by you know, inventing a new, new person for, that, for the coin to become Tame for, right? And theref- so therefore, it's somewhat surprising, in source number 11, when the Rambam tells, writes the following, Ishto shall Kohen, right? The Kohen's, the Mrs. Kohen, Mrs. Kohen, I guess, meet Tamala al-Korcho. We force him to become Tame. We make him go. He doesn't want to, I don't want to become Tame, I don't want to become Tame. No, we make him go. The enom, but the enomit amala, ela midivre sofrim. But his this forcing him to violate a din doraisa of becoming tame is only midivre sofrim. Surprising. That, he's tame from the Torah. He's even tame himself. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, chiyof, the obligation to become tame is only midivre sofrim. And he continues. Asuha kemeit mitzvah. They treated her like a mate mitzvah, meaning someone, they treated the wife as if she was somebody who had no one to bury her. And therefore, Kemach Ela Yoresh, Ela Ho, since only he is the one who's, who's going to inherit her. Lotim Tzami, Shita Asekpa, no one else will be engaged. No one has any financial incentive other than him. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. So what's going on here? Ramam said that. To become tame, right? For this otherwise a dindo, an isodorais of a kohen becoming tame is only divrei sofrim. Divrei sofrim, the chazal that sort of power. Right? That seems a little surprising. So, this in part would lead people to say maybe divrei sofrim doesn't just mean, right, pure rabbinic as we would think. How would you read this halacha otherwise? If you wanted to preserve this rabbinic status, anyone think of anything? Any clues? Okay, you could say the Chazal had that power, maybe. If, you don't, if, you, if you're not quite comfortable with going that far, the Chazal don't want to uproot things from the Torah, at least without explicit evidence from the Gemaras. So you could possibly suggest that Chazal sort of created a mechanism by which she is a mate mitzvah, meaning someone, no one else is able to, they, they sort of roundabout made her into a, somebody who needs to be buried, and no one else would do, based on Chazal, and then since she's a mate mitzvah, therefore the coin would have to, the spouse would have to do it. Right? So that's how you would read it otherwise. Uh, it's not, most people don't want to read it like that. Okay, even more problematic. Source number 12. This has to do with, um, with testimony. Right? So you can't testify for someone who's your uh, family member. Right? Fathers shouldn't die on, the, on behalf of their sons or through, by way of their sons. So 
right? Again, we have a We have a drasha. We have a drasha. Right? Either way, father to son, son to father. Not just father to son, but all family members. That's me piyashmua. Okay, so that's pretty easy. Only the father's family has din Torah. And he just lists the people. Aval, last line. Shara krovim mina'em. But anyone who's married, who's through your mother's family or through marriage, kulan psulin mi divrehem, from their words. Again, it's shocking to say that this is durable. What's the problem with this being durabanan? What happens if you have a puzzle person serving as an aide at a chuppah, right? And is, is that person married or not? Right or what can that person sign? What happened? Like on a Doraisa level, if you if you get married in front of someone who's possible only midarabanan, so midaraisa you should be married. Right. So this halacha also caused a lot of consternation among the interpreters of the Rambam. Okay, I don't have a good way to read to get out of this one, <laughs> other than to say that you have to. If there's no nothing built into this halacha to say like you have the main mitzvah kind of way, to get around it and say well maybe it doesn't apply. It, it's sort of a roundabout mechanism. Except to say, we maybe have to revisit the category of Deir Yisovim altogether. And here, I, I, this I think is a little bit, um, sometimes done a little bit problematic way, but there is actually some evidence within the Rambam that the category of Deir Yisovim may not just be pure Dorabanans. So what is the example? So he, if one example um, pertains to uh, forbidden marriages, in source number 13, he says, He says, Here's that phrase. There's some other women that the man can't marry that are based on received tradition. Isuran mi divrei sofrim. And the prohibition itself is divrei sofrim even though it's mi pia kabbalah. What does that mean? I don't know. Um, or again, in Hilchot Tumad Mate, in source number 14, he says, Mishama Talamed, based on this, you, you understand that all shakola alachot hamura betumad oalim, hanasi mina adam women, behema anytime you have it. Oh, don't worry about the details. Anytime you have an oil that is um, for a mate, where a co- uh, someone rendered impurity within a structure based on a person or a behema, v'chule v'chule, hakol mi divrei sofrim. All of that is divrei sofrim. Mehen divrei kabbalah, umehen gzeirot v'harachakot. And some of these tumas are, all they're all divrei sofrim, some of them are received traditions, and others are rabbinic decrees. Lefikach, therefore, I don't to get into the details, but basically, what does Lifikak mean? He's saying, therefore, it's not real Tumah. Right? Therefore, it's not Tumah Daraisa. It's only it's such that you would incur punishment for becoming, say, you, you got this sort of Tumah sort of that was Divrei Sofrim. You went into the Mikdash, so we're not going to punish you for that. Or you don't get divine punishment for that. But the point here is that what does the category of Divrei Sofrim include? Like the same way we saw in source number 13. Both Divrei Kabbalah, which sounds like, we already saw, sounds like received traditions, and Gzerot Baharchako decrees. Wait a second, the category of Divrei Sofrim is, it, it seems to be broad. Right? And even when you see the Rambam himself, when he, in one of the two places in the, in the parish of Mishnah, when he discusses. Um, what, a, what, what it means to be different, what the word different sofer means, because it's, it's not his, it's from the Mishnah. He says, source number 15, anything that's not explicit in the Torah, 
or a verse, maybe it's, I don't know how to translate that, but anything that is not, that's not found in the, in the written Torah, korinotam, otam, divrei sofrim korinotam. You call it divrei sofrim. Vafilu dvarim shen halacha lemoshim Sinai. Even from Sinai, that you call, you would, you would call divrei sofrim. Right, why? Ki amaro divrei sofrim. What does divrei sofrim mean? Mashma'o shadavar kabalat ha-sofrim. Divrei sofrim means the, the, the traditions of the, of the scribes. For example, anything that was received from Moshe, meaning anything unwritten. Or, oh, so now he's telling us that Divrei Sofrim is not just rabbinic laws. In fact, it includes everything. Now we have three separate passages, totally unrelated from each other, where the Ramam has told us that Divrei Sofrim doesn't just mean rabbinic law. Right? What's going on here? So I don't really know. But I, I wish I knew. I, I don't have a good answer. But the Ramam is so concerned about this. Now, this is, pertains to the third case. And um, this will spend, we should really spend another hour on this. But we won't. Um, but this pertains to the third case that, that where this comes up. And this is what more ink has probably been filled with this Rambam, save perhaps about the ones about abortion, than most other Rambams. Right? The Rambam tells us that you can perform marriages in three ways, based on the Mishnah and Kiddushin, the first Mishnah. Right? You can, you can get married three different, three different ways. Bekesef, Mishtar, Uvabiya, right? Money, money, the writing of a, of a document or relations. Uvabiya, Mishtar, Minatora. The first, the, the last two are Minatora. Uvabiyah, Midivri Sofrim. Right? Performing a marriage is only Divri Sofrim. So there's two, we have two different pro- problems with this. Well, two different ways to think about this problem. Is this Durabanan? If it's the Rabbanon, how can, what does it mean? Are you only married on a rabbinic level if you have, perform a wedding like this, which is how Jews perform a wedding, right? which the Ramam tells us? Um, or does it mean something else? Something, you know, it means unwritten, but, you know, I don't want to use the word derite, but unwritten, but received, or a gzera. And if so, if it means the second category, which is the ambiguous interpretation of the very self, in which you saw the Ram, there's evidence within the Rambam, some evidence within the Rambam, that that's the case. Although it's not evidence from the way he treated Megillah and Erevin, for example. If that's the case, if you want to say that it means that in between category, then you have another problem. Because there's a ton of evidence from the Rambam that he was struggling with how to categorize Kesef Kiddushin. Right? Most famously, the Kesef Mishnah quotes um, his, the, the Rambam's son, and just, he says, because Mishnah says, oh, this can't be the case. But the Rambam's son says he saw it in the Rambam's own handwriting. So I always thought that the evidence is pretty good. Either way, let's take the Rambam's son just at face value. He says in source number 17, oh, I, the Rambam changes the formulation here. He changed it from Nusach Vara Hamitokhani, his own handwriting, my father. He wrote the following the Kesef, Uvishtar, Ubabia, these three ways, Shloshatan, Din Torah. Right? All three are Din Torah. Okay, so that solves some of the problem. But it doesn't really explain the intermediate position, which we need, still need to understand. Right? I think that the Rambam, you know, even if he changes his mind, the middle, position, the middle position still needs to be understood. Could he be clarifying that Torah? But I don't think he means that he's clarifying. I think he means that he's, cha- he's changing the text of the Mishnah Torah. Are we sure of that? Yeah, but there's, we'll get, I'll get to more evidence to that in a second. Um, 
or fine, let's skip to the evidence now, and then we'll get back to the other intermediate problems. So the last source, source number 21, right, this actually comes up again a couple of prakim later in Hilchos Ishus, and most of the, um, the manuscript evidence, and this is accepted by most printers today, most experts, um, the you know, very well done editions of the Rambam, read the, the, the halacha, the, this halacha the following way. So he says, HaMekadesh Bebiya Hare Elo Kedushe Torah, right? One who has relations, that's a Kedushin of Torah. So too star. Not surprising so far. Star works. Okay, that's not details for now. But then there's two different competing versions of what the Ramam said about Kesef. One has about Kesef midivre sofrim, and the other one says bechen Kesef din Torah show midivre sofrim. So one has, Kesef is Legamre Divrei Sofrim, entirely Divrei Sofrim, and the other one has its Kesef as Din Torah explained by the Sofrim. Okay. Most people think that the second reading, where the Kesef is Din Torah, is what the Ramam said later in life. And there's further evidence that the Ramam was, had multiple positions um, throughout his life about this very question. So look at the Parish of Mishnah in source number 18. So here he says, Kesef, how do you know Kesef? It's based on a Pasuk of Kikach Ish Isha. Kedushin is a star based on a remes. Right? So we're not quite sure how to categorize those because he both say, they're both linked to Psukim. So it sounds like they should be, should be Doraisa, except for the fact that at the, at the earlier version of the way he formulated Kedushin in the Parish of Mishnah, he says the following. Seder Kiddushin Bebiya. So what happens if you have relations to perform a marriage? Meaning, you, what happens is you, you, you go into a room alone, you have Yichud, right, with Edim. That is enough for that kind, of, that kind of marriage. And in the first draft of the Parish Mishnah, he writes, There's nothing that's more strict or more serious than this. And this is considered Kiddushin Daraisa, implying that both Shtar and Kesef are Darabanan. And you see here, he, he, I showed you a little picture from the manuscript. Uh, the PDF is available online. But he crosses out Kiddushin Daraisa, and he writes the following. These are the most explicit kinds of Kiddushin. And this is what the Torah says in the verse, meaning, not that this is the only kind of Daraisa Kedushin, but that this is the most explicit in the Torah kind of Kedushin. Right? This is very complicated. But basically what we've seen, before we get to the uh, even more, more layers of complication, is that the Rambam seems to imply in the Parish of Mishnah, at one stage at least, that both Shtar and Kesef are rabbinic. Or are not Doraisa. It's not clear what, what the opposite would be. So, and even if you're going to tell me that the, the Mishnah Torah, it's not clear, if you don't want to accept the, Ram, the evidence from Avraham and Rambam, the Kesach Mishnah doesn't want to, there's certainly sufficient evidence elsewhere that the Rambam thinks that Kesef is Midivrei Sofrim and maybe or maybe not Doraisa. And again, if you look in the Sefer Mitzvos, he does the exact same thing. This actually reflects the very first edition of the Parish of Mishnah. So he tells us there's a pasuk for each of the two, the, the shtar and kasef, and then in the last paragraph in source number 19 he says about kiddushin do'araita hem bebiya. 
right? But this kedushin that you perform through secluding oneself, that's Doraisa, implying the other ones might not be. So what's going on here? In fact, uh, we don't have to source number 20, which is another layer of complication. If you look at the bottom of the page, I made a nice little pretty chart. I'm very proud of myself for this chart. So if you look, you actually see that the Rambam totally changed his mind. And I actually changed the fonts here. Um, the sort of square script is just when the Rambam quotes verses, and doesn't actually tell you what the categorization is. Um, and the, the font that I've been using the rest of the time is what the, what the, the words the Rambam actually uses. But basically, you can see very clearly that in later editions, in, later in life, the Rambam moves towards categorizing Kiddushin by Kesef as Torah, as well as Shtar, right? Shtar is also sort of not Daraisa, and it becomes Daraisa a little bit earlier, and then remains Daraisa. And Kiddusha Bia, right, through relations, through seclusion, then it becomes Daraisa. That's Daraisa the whole way through. So this is the problem. It's how do you categorize, what, what is the, when the Ramam is thinking that either Shtar or Shtar, either, sorry, either just Kesef or Kesef and Shtar are Divrei Sofrim, what does that mean? So there are three ways to, to try and figure out what that could possibly mean. The first is that each one of them has a problem. The first is that it's a pure Dorabana. Right? The Divrei Sofer means rabbinic, right? And therefore, then if one suggests that, then you need to say, well, what kind of power do the Chazal have in which they can create a marriage through a rabbinic mechanism that is, has a, a biblical standing? Right? So that if someone were to become married through Kasef, and then, you know, commits adultery, so we still would punish them, and they would still, you know, have to have a get, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Another way to say it, which is, I think, the mainstream view in, um, in the sort of the, the commentaries in the Rambam, is this, what we've already seen from the Rashbats, which is that Tiberi Sovereign doesn't mean um, rabbinic, it just means exp- explicated by Chazal, meaning they had a tradition, and... They, they said, okay, well, you know, it's, it, it's still from Sinai. And therefore, Jivrei Sofrim just means, means a different kind of source, but it has the same power and the same authority behind it, and that authority behind it is Sinai. Right? Is it, is it clear to the Rambam that you can affect marriage by uh, Kesef and Shtar through an agent, but you can't do that through Ziyah? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's fairly clear from the Gemara's already, yeah. Right. Well, it's still the, it's still you still have to figure out the, the sort of the power behind it. I think is the problem. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, but I think you still have to figure out the power behind it. Right. So, so just in that second li- sort of line of reasoning, we have this sort of more traditional interpretation of Divrei Sofer, which just means flat, really from Sinai, and just a question of how we got it. Not written, but oral tradition. So, I, I'm not sure is the truth. Is it how to answer this question? But I really think that the correct answer is somewhere in between, which is, sort of, which is that we have to sort of re-understand what Divrei Sofer means altogether. Right? It's clear that the Rambam thinks Bipiyashmua, those kind of traditions are a different level altogether. Right? Within Divrei Sofer, though, I think there is sufficient evidence to, to show that it doesn't just mean Darabanan within the Rambam. Right? At first glance, you have Megillah, Erevin, etc., etc. And the Rambam is very clear that he wants to summarize, whenever he's sort of counterposing Din Torah, Daraisa, with so one means rabbinic and one means biblical. But it's not clear that it would always have to mean rabbinic, even in those cases, and certainly when it's used alone. 
Because we know we, we have at least three passages from the Rambam, four really, one of them I left off the sheet, where he thinks every sofrim can have a broader category. And within that broader category, there are some rabbinic laws and some Sinai laws. It's because at the Rambam, the operative principle is not the difference between human law and divine law, but micro law and non micro law. And so then, if that's the case, then that allows you to see Divrei Sofrim as a sort of bigger category, unrelated to, it's not Mipi Shmuel insofar as it's not explaining a Pasuk, but it has both Divrei Kabbalah and Gzeros Baharachakos, as the Ramam says. In which case, if, if that's the case, then it's possible to suggest, and I'm not led to this, if, sorry if we're talking about marriage a lot, but I'm not totally committed to this idea, but I think one could propose a third reading, which is that Divrei Sofrim could have this broad meaning, including traditions and rabbinic law, and when it's applied, I'm sorry, when it's applied to um, trying to enacting biblical laws, then it's based on traditions. Now, the problem with that reading, and this will close, because this is what the problem is. The problem is the Ramam himself seems to be acting away from that categorization. Right? The Ramam himself will say Divrei Sofrim sometimes, and nevertheless will pull, pull back and say we have a Din Torah here. So, if that's the case, then why is he doing that? I'm not sure. Um, that's why I'm not committed. Um, but that's the problems. And um, if someone wants to come up with a solution, I'm more than happy to hear it. Uh, but other than that, um, that sort of rounds out our shirim on the first couple of Rashim. Um, we're going to take a break next week. As I said, um, I w- wanted to add one more thing, which is that if you have any feedback, both anyone who's listening um, and anyone who's here in person, please let me know uh, so we can continue uh, move, as we move forward in the... Uh, somewhat less complicated to rush him to, to, to the will encounter. Thank you guys very much.